Welcome everybody to the Emerge From Your Box podcast. I have a very special guest today. Her name is Kasia Gugul. Um, she's an international leadership coach. Um, she's also studied biochemistry um, and is a massive travel enthusiast. Kasia and I connected through a mutual friend and we did a mandala class together, which was absolutely incredible with a beautiful girl named Malati. Um, and without further ado, welcome Kasia. Thank you so much for having me here. You're very welcome. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're all the way in um, uh, Canada, British Columbia. So <laughs> uh, with the time zones, we finally got there. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I guess what I want to know is, um, you know, who are you? Who is Kasia Google at heart? And you have many, many things that you do and many, many people that you serve, but I'm interested in who you are. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you. You know, this is Friday afternoon for me, and I can't imagine a better way to spend a Friday afternoon than talking to you. Uh, so it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, that's a you know a huge question, isn't it? Really, where to start? Um, you know, I've thought about this question a lot because when I work with some of my clients, you know, we often look at what their identity is, and people start to become a bit uncomfortable when they go through an identity shift and mm-hmm. you know have to let go of a certain role or maybe let go of a relationship and all of a sudden they really ask themselves that that question That's so a question <laughs> it, yeah it's a huge question so for me you know i see myself number one as an explorer uh, of ideas an explorer of cultures travel has been a that. huge passion of mine throughout my whole life um, you know, having uh, been born in Poland, I grew up in Canada, and then moved to Australia uh, at the age of 29, and traveled quite extensively across Asia for my, my job. So travel has been a huge part of my life that I love. Um, but also when I came across coaching as a profession, that also is an exploration of ideas. So for me, you know, it's, it's the perfect fit in terms of the work that I do. I love that line, explorer of ideas and culture. It, it actually, in essence, that is exactly who you are in my eyes. Because when I met you, I remember thinking, who is this amazing woman? And the deeper I got to know you, I just, you know, I'm kind of living through your Facebook posts, to be honest, sometimes. You've been to <laughs> some of the most amazing places and met some of the most amazing people, you know, and... Um, I actually did that myself in the search of who I am. You know, I started traveling the world a lot. And it's actually uh, how I came across Judy. I think, uh, you know, Judy was who connected us. Um, I came across her in a travel page. And, you know, and that for me was kind of a quest to rediscover who I am. Kind of lost myself in the last relationship that I was with because um, I wasn't sure who I was and I wasn't sure who I was not, you know. Um, Can you relate to that? Is that something that inspired your travels as well? You know, for me, I I suppose my biggest search has been for understanding really where I belong, because when I moved from Poland and, you know, when I made that move, it was in 1983 and we actually moved to Canada by ship. It was one of the last sailings of a cruise ship that used to run from Poland to, to Canada. So it was such a (laughs) you started very early. (laughs) That really, you know, that adventure I think um, inspired me 
to become a bit of an adventure at such a young age. You know, I, I didn't actually feel any fear at that time, um, but it was a huge move, right? And at that time, it was a very permanent move because, you know, we didn't travel by plane. It wasn't something that we were doing back and forth across the world as, you know, we, we did a few years ago. I can't even imagine that, like going to a brand new country on a ship, you know, I mean, I've had a similar sort of background growing up in Italy and coming from Thailand, which I don't remember then to Australia, but not by ship. That would have been an adventure in itself, just experiencing it as a child. <laughs> yeah, it sure was. And it took two weeks. So it was a very rough ride, I'll tell you. Wow, um, I never, never, <laughs> never recommend to anyone to cross the Atlantic in November because it's a rough ride. And, you know, I had these images as a child, like you often think something is going to be a certain way. I had these images of a ch- uh, as a child that I'd be, you know, uh, sitting next to a pool on a cruise ship for a couple of weeks, but that wasn't the case at all. <laughs> In fact, uh, you know, back then the cruise ship was smaller and there was uh, water washing overboard and into the swimming pool. Uh, it was that rough that they wouldn't allow people to go out on deck. And so I spent wow. a lot of time actually in the the room being quite sick during those two weeks oh I can Uh, imagine I mean you know and even from that perspective a lot of the people that come um, as refugees to many countries even Australia by small boats you know I can't imagine what that would be like what an adventure to have at such a young age (laughs) yeah I don't remember a huge amount of it but I remember you know they had some very lavish um, ice sculptures and you know parties etc on the ship and I remember being sick. <laughs> Those are the two main things. And then we arrived in Montreal um, and we had some family waiting there for us. Um, so that was nice to meet up with my dad after actually not seeing him for almost two years. Oh, wow. He in Canada ahead of us. So he would have, he settled in Canada and then the family followed um, into that adventure via a very rocky ship. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And, you know, as I said, the belonging side of things for me, uh, at first, when I arrived in Canada, I actually felt really welcome here. I made friends really quickly, really easily and settled into life uh, initially in Edmonton, Alberta. Um, And in general, you know, we had a great life. Uh, At the same time, I started to sometimes feel like that lack of belonging because of the environment. Uh, so, for example, it's like shopping centers were a brand new thing to me because in Europe, I was used to walking down the street and seeing shops on the street, having, you know, things mainly outside, whereas here it was more of a indoor lifestyle, um, especially in the winter. Yeah, and it gets so- quite cold in Canada. If um, anyone's listening and hasn't been there, make sure you rock <laughs> up if you visit. <laughs> Yes. And I I remember once, you know, being out in in Saskatchewan for work, it was minus 56 degrees with the wind chill. I barely barely could actually move, you know, my fingers. Um, And this is actually when I already had in my mind to move to Australia. And I was so grateful that I was going to, to Australia and that I was going to be in a warmer climate. Um, And I did actually feel a much stronger sense of belonging in Australia because, um, first of all, the the culture in terms of cafe culture, 
being able to walk outside um, and feel like I'm in Europe um, made me feel much more at home there. Yeah, I had a friend move to um, Toronto and he's a marathon runner and he decided to move over in winter. So I don't think that's a really good idea because he was trying to run. And, you know, like you said, you, you just get frozen. I, I remember being in New York and taking a photo and within two minutes having to put my hand inside my pocket, run inside and warm up again. It's, you know, that cold. So I can totally relate to why you would want to move to Australia, which is, you know, my, my homeland and I love Australia for that. You know, the beaches and the coffee. I mean, you can't go past the coffee, especially I in Melbourne. I definitely miss the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, the coffee in Melbourne is amazing. And, yeah, and Melbourne has a very European feel to, to me uh, in much, you know, better climate conditions. <laughs> I, I well. think that's, um, you know, growing up, I think for me it was uh, really to adapt to living here because of that. You know, there's such a huge variety of cultures from all over the world that have settled within Australia and yes some have created their little mini communities but at the same time you know that you can go for example to northeast Melbourne and experience the you know Middle Eastern and you can come to southeast Melbourne and experience southeast Asia here for example so um, you know for some people that's really unsettling like um Growing up and going to a completely different foreign country, I mean, I think my parents struggled a little bit, so it sounds like it was a good move. But how old were you when you moved to Australia? To Australia, I was 29. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. Um, that's a good age to start exploring. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I, I'd um, had the opportunity to travel before as well. I was traveling around the States and Canada for my work quite a bit because I was working in clinical research and I was monitoring uh, cancer trials, Alzheimer's trials. So mm. I was actually going to all the hospitals and clinical sites down south in the States because, uh, you know, we don't have that a large population in Canada. So the States was where I was going on a very regular basis for uh, a few years. Um, and, you know, so I was used to being out and traveling on my own already. Uh, and Australia just seemed like the right place to go I actually had a dream to go for four years and had to, very diligently, <laughs> had to very diligently save my money and get two years of work experience in my field because I knew then that I'd be able to get a job really easily in Australia mm -hmm. and I did you know within three weeks I had a job and I was settled in and they gave me a car and a phone which you know I was set which isn't very Thank standard you. here <laughs> in Canada <laughs> you know I keep forgetting that you've got a biochemistry background because I've always known you as you know as we've gotten to know each other um you know being uh, the expert in your field in mindset and development and business you know you work with a lot of um international and global leaders and um you know corporations uh, and schools um in their graduate programs to you know to help them shift and yeah, I, I keep forgetting that your, your background started in biochemistry. So you've got that behind you as well. So, such versatility in your, in who you are, you know. Um, yeah, and you know, if, mm -hmm. I was just going to say it really came full circle for me because when I left, um, initially I left the sciences and within the science world, I moved into technology and business and implementing business systems across Asia. So mm -hmm. I felt like I took that step away from science. Uh, and then later when I moved into leadership development, 
you know, funny enough, when I was in my, um, one of my training programs, I met someone who was creating a program at the Australian Institute of Marine Science mm -hmm. to coach women leaders uh, who were uh, postdocs in marine biology and various different other areas there. And so my very first project to have the opportunity to work on was in the sciences. And I really truly felt that I'd come full circle back into that world. And it was amazing to have that opportunity uh, to support these women who were, um, you know, some of the best in their fields working on the Great Barrier Reef. Yeah, it's uh, so, a beautiful part of Australia. If you haven't had the opportunity when the travel gods align again, please come and visit. I mean, I've been to the Whitsundays and it is stunning. But it's really interesting that you were talking about full circle. For people that are listening, you probably can't see this right now. But I'm looking at Kazia and there's a big circle behind you. And, you know, we're talking about science. And I'm looking at it thinking, is that got something to do with neuroscience? It, share, <laughs> share a little bit about that because I think that's part of the coming full circle as well. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. So this is actually part of my, my logo and um, it represents connection on two different levels. So number one, the connection between people, which to me is, is really, really important, a very important part of my um, life and um, you know, sense of satisfaction in my work is from the real connections that I have with my clients, my friends, my, my family. And uh, the second meaning to it is the neural connections in the, in the mind as we you know, shift ideas, perceptions, those neural connections change. Um, so those are the two things that it represents for me. And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I had a designer created eight years ago now and I still feel so connected to this, this logo. Yeah, I love that, you know, because I think for me as well like the logo is an extension of you you know and you can I from the first time I met you I felt that authenticity you really are a true heart-to-heart -heart person that loves to connect with the people and you know every time I've heard you speak or watched one of your um, trainings or you know just being around you you really do connect to the business um, within people because again business is an, is an extension of the person so it's so important to have that authenticity behind what you're doing you know there's a lot of people out there that are still trying to find that connection within themselves and it shows in their business but I've never felt that with you so you know thank you for serving from the heart <laughs> that's um a rare quality that um thank you we can definitely adopt more sure. of yeah, well, and you know, in the end, this is actually where I found my sense of belonging was was through my work, through my business and the connections that I've made, you know, with people because they're so strong and, and uh, genuine to me, that has actually what's in the end created that sense of belonging after, you know, looking here, looking there, living here, living there, you know, I've now lived also in, in Peru and Guatemala for a period of time and I feel like I've been able to create these strong connections in these different parts of the world mm -hmm. and in the end realize that it's not so important necessarily where I am I can feel very much at home in different places but it's those connections and actually meeting people locally um, getting to know them on a real level that matters to me and staying somewhere for a period of time, not just rushing through 
uh, if I'm traveling somewhere. Yeah, it is, uh, it is so true, you know, and human connection is step one in anything, you know, connecting to yourself and connecting to um, people around you authentically. You never know. One connection can change your life. You know, it can be good or it can be a lesson. But either way, like, you know, really getting to know the essence of who, who people are is exactly why I sort of started to realize within myself that there was a need to bring back a platform where people were just speaking heart to heart you know it wasn't all about like what you're doing like who are you being every single day when you're speaking to people and interacting like what is it that you want to just um you know align yourself with or enjoy being together with like I mean last time we caught up we ended up talking about all sorts of things and I know you've had some you know really big challenges growing up as well you know you um you were in Australia, but you moved back to Canada recently, you know. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to hear about about that journey and why that sort of is important to you. Sure. You know, I, I wanted to comment on your first point about these heart-to-heart connections. And this is something um, that I think is so important right now. And I think that actually through the pandemic, people have been reaching out to each other more on that mm-hmm. level. Um, but I think in general, with the, the culture of busyness around the world at work, that uh, heart-to-heart connection was not as much um, present as uh, it really needed to be in business, not mm-hmm. just for, um, you know, for the people, but also for the businesses to really thrive more, for, for alignment to take place within the workplace, um, people I need totally to know agree. each other to, 100%, to be able to collaborate. hundred percent, you know, having worked in the corporate world for a long, long time myself, a couple of decades now, you know, if you don't have that culture and you don't know who you're literally sitting next to, and you, you know, it's not a sense of team, you know, you actually can't sort of be at your best if you don't feel like you're part of something that is in alignment with yourself and your mission and the vision and the company values and all of that so you know it's it's so interesting that it, it comes back to that one that first step of truly connecting to what it is that you do you know and I feel like even in my industry sometimes there's a lot of people just doing the job but they're not really doing it from a place of passion so you can tell that because they're not connected to what it is that they do, the people around them, or, um, you know, even themselves. So it's so important to have that in the in the workplace. And I know, for example, you know, a couple of companies that I've worked with have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars just to re, revamp and realign the culture within the business in order for the business as a whole to thrive. Because a business is just an extension. It's a living workshop. You know, it's an extension of the people that are in it. And if you don't have that foundation, you know, this is exactly why I love that people like yourself are so passionate about, um, you know, bringing your knowledge and bringing your ideas and opening up those um, perspectives for people to really see that. Like we spend a lot of time at work. You know, if you're working in the nine to five, that's a lot of time around people and, um, you know, around just doing that. Um, so yeah absolutely important to have that connection in the workplace it is yeah and there's always you know a lot of talk about projects but not a lot of talk around you know actually understanding what drives people what is actually really important to everyone and this is the part that I find is missing and Mm -hmm. the part that a lot of 
a lot of the leaders that I work with tell me they want more influence, they want to have more impact. And that's exactly where we start is with mm -hmm. strengthening uh, relationships and whether that's at, um, you know, frontline management level for managers to get to know their staff better or CEO level. You know, I've had a CEO at Samsung tell me that, um, you know, he doesn't actually have anyone to turn to to discuss things because the higher you go as a leader, the less people you have to speak to about, yeah. you know, things. And so those relationships around us are so important um, to maintain and to build and to uh, invest time in, which I think is highly underestimated. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm living proof. Like I've been in, in those sorts of environments where there's no communication between, between, you know, you've got your KPIs, you've got your goals, you've got the financial budget, you've got the forecast, all of that. But where is the connection between people to understand each other's roles and support each other in that? And I, I love that you said, um, you know, one of the CEOs you're working with didn't have anybody to turn to. Just because you have a title, it doesn't mean you're not a human being, you know. What I love about one of my old CEOs is that regardless of his title, and he was the CEO of a huge retail company, he still remembered people by their names. He still remembered that I liked a certain wine, you know. He, he was a real human person, like heart to heart. You could not see him for six months and he would still remember the last conversation you had with them. And, you know, if there's more people operating from this space, I think so many more businesses would do well in general because, you know, yeah, they feel like they're a part of something. They're not just employee number one. And, you know, when you're not needed anymore, we just take you off the budget and off you go. You know, you feel like, because a lot of people spend, you know, retire in the first job they, they start in as well. You know, so you've, it's so important to have that. Like, like I said, in the corporations that I've worked in, they've spent hundreds of thousands to realign the culture in the business. And mm -hmm. at the start, it can be, it can shake it up a little bit because some people um, are not used to the change. There's a lot of change that comes with, um, you know, realigning the culture. Yeah. But once you get through that period with nurturing from your, people like yourself, it's totally possible, in, in my opinion. Yeah. And through change as well, you know, those relationships are so important because that support is what's needed to, to manage change, right? To be able to really help people feel supported through the ups and downs. And, you know, you asked me the reason that I moved to Canada. And for me, that was a huge change, right? Because before that, I was um, you know, earlier in the year, I was working virtually from uh, South America. I was actually in Peru in April. Um, By the way, I'm so jealous of all your traveling. <laughs> Every time I see your photos on social media, I just think, where hasn't she been? <laughs> well, there are definitely places that I haven't been and still need to go. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, like I, I had a very carefree lifestyle. I had built my business so that I could work virtually and I was working from South America and then stopped um, on the way through Portugal and Spain to see my mother in Poland. And while we were in Poland, uh, she felt uh, a breast lump and we took her to get an ultrasound because in Canada, the standard is to get a mammogram but they don't necessarily send you automatically for an ultrasound. And in Australia, the standard was to, to have both, at least you know, in the clinic that I was at. So I directly took her to get an ultrasound and we found that she had um, unfortunately stage three breast cancer. 
And so that was quite a shock. And, you know, we didn't find it right away. It took us a few weeks to get the results by the time they had the biopsy back, mm -hmm. et cetera. We were waiting for the results and I took her for five days to Greece to pass some time. So she didn't think about it too much. Yeah. And then I actually had to travel back to Australia to deliver a workshop because I was um, running workshops in Sydney um, for HSBC and I couldn't change that date. So I didn't find out until I'd gotten back to Sydney that uh, she actually got the confirmation that it was breast cancer. And within a month, I you know, had to get myself organized and traveled back to Canada to be with her. Uh, and she traveled from Poland to Canada for her surgery. So, you know, we were trying to make decisions on the fly, whether she should have treatment in Poland or in Canada. And she decided to, to move back to Canada for it. Um, and uh, everything happened so quickly, you know, like in August. Um, Within a space of a month. Yeah, in August, oh. she already went in for the surgery, which was actually such a long wait. It was a six-week wait from finding out and that's not a very comfortable place to be when you have stage three cancer and you know it was a pretty significant size so um you know the I mean, fear what, is then that it's going through your mind me. what's going through your mind when all of this is happening you know and and this is something that i i think people really need to just become grateful for the only moment you have is this moment right now because at the click of a finger, at the click of your fingers, your life completely changed. Within a month, you were, you know, in Australia, thriving, business was amazing, all the things were perfect. And then just like that, life happens. You know, you get reminded of how precious every single moment in life is. I mean, you know, your mom gets diagnosed with cancer. You have to shift your entire life, move across the planet, make decisions on the fly. How do you deal with that? You know, how do you look after yourself and nurture yourself in that moment as well? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, I, I was just so glad that I could actually move my, my work with me, that I was portable in that sense, that I was already portable before this happened. And I could just um, at least keep part of my life the same and simply relocate you know here to mm -hmm. be here with with her um, but it was still challenging because having left um, Vancouver Island when I was 29 I hadn't been here living here for 15 years so you know it meant yeah. that I didn't really have any close connections here I I had a couple of friends who were still living here um, but so you moved uh, back they're... home after 15 years that's <laughs> is a chunk of time right so it it was definitely you know a, an adjustment um, and it was already a sense of isolation for me because while she was going through treatment um, you know as a cancer patient she has to be careful um, because she was going through very intense chemotherapy mm. uh, some of the strongest chemotherapy agents that are out there um, and they had to be delivered actually through the directly into the vein, not through an IV because of the fact that they can create so much damage to the skin if the IV gets pulled out. So that was very intense for us, for her to go through that and uh, for her to go through her side effects. You know, there wasn't really much space for anything else in my life at that point. Um, what I was doing for myself was yoga 
And, you know, I, I was very grateful that when I was still living here uh, many years ago, one of my colleagues introduced me to yoga and I continued to do it throughout, you know, all of these decades and it was still in my life. And so I was able to take my yoga mat, which I still had here to the park and do my 20 minutes or 30 minutes of yoga in the, in the nicer weather days. Yeah, and I was going to say, how do you do yoga in the snow? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't do it in the snow. Um, but I did it for many, many um, days outside. And then when it was colder, I was going to a yoga studio once or twice a week uh, before it closed for the pandemic. So, you know, in some ways, I was already very much living kind of a lockdown lifestyle, uh, very independent um, lifestyle before the pandemic happened mm -hmm. and uh, in some ways that actually prepared me a bit better and then when that came around I felt better equipped to support some of my clients who are going through so much change you know all of a sudden so in this some is, yeah this is the thing right your um your role has now turned into not just supporting your clients supporting your mom who's going through this life-changing experience you know whichever way whichever position you play in 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 that part in in somebody's life that's going through something like that it's a huge responsibility emotionally you know and then also supporting yourself that's you know I, I think it's really important for people to listening to realize that um, looking after yourself is, you know, one of the most important things, if not the most important thing that you can do for yourself. And whatever resonates with you, yoga, Pilates, boxing, whatever it is that um, allows you to just express yourself. Because if you're not doing that, um, you, you can find yourself in emotional chaos. You know, I've had that happen with me. So I'm really glad you shared that yoga's really been beneficial to you because, look, yoga, to be honest, it's not really my thing. But find something that works for you, you know, like some people love dancing or something that takes your mind off the surroundings of the situation you're in and brings you back to the present moment. And it allows you to just be calm within, um, you know, and like I said, whichever way that works, you could even be music, whatever resonates with. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I certainly do love dancing, too, which actually I was missing uh, very much. Um, for quite a period of time, I didn't dance. And uh, I had just met a new friend who I went dancing with uh, to, to swing dance and salsa. We went dancing five times before the pandemic started. <laughs> so I feel, I feel like I just managed to get out the door and then the door got closed again. Uh, but I was very grateful for that. Um, so yeah, my friend Fernando uh, was uh, a lot of fun to hang out with while he was here and then he moved back to, to Mexico. Um, so it was an opportunity for me to then start to actually think, how can I dance by myself? Because I was feeling like I was too dependent on having a dance partner to be able to do what I love. So I actually started to dance by myself um, after a while. And I just look for the... people listening, it sounds weird, but it's actually really empowering. I did that same myself. I took up something called Shakti Warrior Dancing, and it's just um, a dance to allow your feminine and embody that. And it's, um, it's a bit weird doing it in the mirror, um, to be honest, when you first start off. But 
you know, it's it's an act of self-love. And I, you know, if you can find beauty within yourself, looking in the mirror and saying things, I love you, that as well is really empowering. It took a long time for me to be able to do that after some of the things that I experienced in childhood. But um and it's fun, yeah. you know, the most the most important thing is fun. That's right. Yeah. And a lot of people do feel uncomfortable dancing because they feel like they're judged or they judge themselves, right? It's a big hang up. Uh, but you know, this this became such a big part of my year last year after I started doing a little bit of it myself. And then uh, I had clients who were highly stressed, who needed something, they weren't doing anything to de-stress. And um, when I asked them if they ever danced or liked to dance, some of them said yes. And so they actually tested it out and danced for a few songs next to their desk to their favorite song. And some of them told me that improved their relationship with their partner, they relieved so much stress by, you know, bringing that into their life because it was still something that was accessible for them to do something fun. Yeah, and it's child's it's, play, isn't it? It's child's play. I mean, if you look at kids yeah. and they were sitting there, they're always like moving or swinging their arms. They're letting that energy flow. I think that's what it's all about. I'm studying quantum flow at the moment and that's what it's all about. It's about, you know, really activating the nervous plexus and getting the body going so then that can transfer into your frontal lobe. You can make better decisions and do things like that. So, yeah. But, you know, the simplicity of it is just move, wiggle have fun, dance. Exactly. Yeah. You don't have to make it complex, but yeah, I think it's so important to have fun and actually allow yourself to feel good, Mm -hmm. especially when times are stressful, especially when times are are more complex to bring that into your life, because that's what allows you to move through it and to release the tension. Whereas when people hold on to that tension all the time, that's when it can create disease in the, the body. And that's something that you know, because of what my mother had gone through, I am quite, quite sure that a lot of her problems were caused by prolonged chronic stress. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that that, you know, her cancer, um, the, the reason that her body couldn't deal with cleaning up the cancer, her immune system was lower was because of stress. Um, and so that's something that I try and get people to be aware of uh, and manage their tension and their stress levels. Hundred uh, so percent doesn't lead to that, especially um, you know, especially in the corporate world. Um, the reason that I got into holistic medicine to begin with was because of stress. I remember going to my acupuncturist, and I used to get menstrual pains. You know, if you're a woman, you know what that feels like. It feels like someone's tearing your insides out. It's not a nice feeling, but you know, I used to go to her for acupuncture, and then I remember walking into her office one day, and she said to me, "Have you had like eight cups of coffee before walking in here?" I'm like, "What are you talking about?" She's like, "Your stress level is through the roof," you know. And I told her what I was up to: going to gym three times a day, working full time, like doing all these things. She's like, "Do you ever just stop, like relax and look after yourself and?" ground and recenter and just nurture yourself and have fun I'm like yeah and you know and my list came out again it's so easy to get caught up when you're doing life especially working to just get stuck into that routine and you forget to stop and be present have fun connect with people like one of the things I used to do at work is smile at three random people because I realized a lot of people just walking around moping and I'm like you know, if you smile at three random people a day, try it. They'll either smile back or they'll look at you like you're a complete weirdo and then laugh at you. <laughs> you know, either way, yeah. it's a good thing because you end up laughing, right? 
Yeah. One of my secret little tricks that I, I uh, like is, you know, I often have clients who arrive a little bit um, grumpy or stressed in, in our coaching sessions. And uh, by the end of the session, I see a lot of the time they're smiling, right? And I'm thinking, what is actually happening here? Because I think naturally I smile so much that it just transfers over <laughs> it is it is for people listening you can't see but if you've ever met Kazia, she's always smiling you know you're human I'm sure you have your days where you know you're like you know yep no today I'm allowed to not smile for a few minutes but it is it is contagious it's like a little kid right when you look at a little kid and you smile at them they smile back it's <laughs> they they mimic the happiness through the energy that you're putting through yeah, I love it. I love being able to, you know, see the change and the shift in people. <laughs> and that's what you want, you know, at the end of a session. Sometimes that's all they need. They just need a space to express themselves. And, you know, one of my um, mentors says as well, the expression is the opposite of depression. So if you're holding something in and it's it's trapped within your body, you know, you were sharing about, you know, your mom and the trauma and the stress and all of that um, just trapped in her body and her not being able to shift it. Sometimes, you know, and I don't know what people believe, um, you know, and it's totally okay if they don't, but I personally believe that comes down to emotion, comes down not to, to uh, not being able to express yourself and then having that basically turn into a 3D physical symptom, you know, like if you alleviate that then and get to the core of the problem, which is, you know, how probably you work with people as well, um, the simplicity of laughing can fix so many things. And they say that, you know, laughter is the best medicine. Honestly, it is. Like, you know, I find moments in the day to laugh at whatever I can, like, a lunatic sometimes but it feels good <laughs> it does yeah yeah well lately I've been laughing quite a bit myself as well yes you know so I have some some uh, good uh, people in my life who make me laugh so that's been quite a nice experience well speaking of people in your life I know last time we had a chat there was a special someone that turned up into your life unexpectedly and we're actually recording this if you're in Australia on the eve of Valentine's Day I don't know if you celebrate any of that but I want to hear that story (laughs) (laughs) oh yes well Margaret I mean you know what can I say I, I just have been a very lucky lucky person this pandemic um Yes. Uh, so yeah, in, uh, in late September, I met someone here, uh, my neighbor, actually. Uh, we were uh, sun tanning on some rocks nearby the house. Um, and uh, I was very grateful that I happened to look up from my book and started a conversation <laughs> because I could have very well just been so absorbed in my book chapter. See, this is the thing, guys. You can read or you can do audible. Because if you do audible, you'll be looking around as well. You just never know who you might meet. (laughs) Sorry, please continue. I love this story. When she told me, (laughs) I just thought, oh, my God, you've got to share that. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I started a conversation. The next thing led to another. And, you know, I started actually coming over and having tea with my neighbor five minutes away because we were a bit limited after that as far as what we could be doing because we went into lockdown uh, here as well shortly after that and so yeah we had weekly tea visits and um, you know it was it was great to have a 
a friend nearby that I could actually talk to on a regular basis. So we had some great conversations. What a blessing um, 2020 has been for some people, right? And I understand that there's a lot of things that people found deep, difficult challenges in. But if you can find the silver lining in things, and this is what I love about you, you know, there's always something that can evolve from that, you know. There's always, I mean, in 2020, you were able to reconnect with your mom, you know, after such a long time as well. That in itself is beautiful. Yes, she was going through one of the most, if not the most challenging um, obstacle in her life, but being able to reconnect with her and look after her like she looked after you when you were a little kid and you were travelling across that ship from Poland to Canada, you know, together. That would have been beautiful for her to experience. And then I don't know about you, but some people like find it really hard to fall in love after not being able to or life gets in the way and you know you've been I can see she's glowing if you you can't (laughs) see her right now but she's glowing you know Um, know, to be able able to find love in um, one of the most challenging years of humanity uh, that's that's amazing (laughs) it is yeah so I guess that's the end of that story is that you know um, you know because it was a challenge to try and date during the pandemic and we can't yeah how did you do that (laughs) I was worried about my mother as well right I didn't want her to um to be afraid um and so yeah it was challenging to navigate that for sure um and it took us a little while to work out how we were going to handle that but yes uh, we did fall in love and um you know we were both really really happy to have found each other and um I, I feel very good about where we're at now there you go guys the girl next door (laughs) and the boy next door you just never know if you're not connected to your neighbors go next door offer them a cup of tea you just never know what might come of it (laughs) you know there is there is hope in every single crisis no matter what you're going through in life there's always there's always something that you can be grateful for and I'm sure dating would have been interesting during the pandemic like you know I saw some things that went online I'm like how do you do that people were dating in like saw balls and you know well I'll tell you it was a bit stressful to work out how to handle it <laughs> there was definitely I had a few sleepless nights <laughs> but again you know the importance of um respecting uh, what's been uh, how do I put, I don't like to use the word impose but respecting the fact that you do have to be considerate of other people through this whole journey of whatever this is you know because like you said you had a you had a mother who was fighting chemo with the strongest medication out there you know and not even being able to do that by IV because of damaging your skin like the people that haven't ever been through supporting someone that has cancer it might sound a bit you know crazy because it's like well what do you mean you can't just you know um yeah just I don't know finding I think for me, the most important thing that I found through 2020, it sounds like, um, you know, you definitely have as well, is finding gratitude in the things that you do have, you know, the opportunities that you do have and opening up to things um, and different ways of thinking and, and new things like dancing to yourself in the mirror, you know, just doing the little things that you enjoyed as a kid. You know, for me, I'm like the biggest kid I know and the biggest tourist in my own country. Although now I have competition because you've been globally everywhere. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, gratitude has been so important to me too, you know, because of course, you know, in, in general, most days, um, my days are good. Uh, but yeah, there are a lot of challenges that, that we went through. And yeah, those days I do lean on gratitude to really look at what's working well. How can this actually um, support me, support us, you know, through this, this time. And in general, um, I do find it to be very effective and, and helpful. Um, and certainly I do feel I have a lot to, to be grateful for. And the more I focus on that, the better things get, you know? Yeah, exactly. So. Where, you know, where intention goes, energy flows, right? You know what I'm curious about? You're such a strong woman with such a beautiful light about you. How were you as a little girl? Is that something that you learned along the way? Is that something that you sort of were forced to learn? Like, you know, different people receive the lessons differently. How did that come about for you? Because there might be a lot of people thinking about about this and listening out there who are just starting to become coaches or, you know, they're finding their feet in the industry. How do you become that resilient powerhouse that, you know, like you just know your thing, like you just know what your mission is, you know what your purpose is and no matter who is standing in front of you, they leave with a smile. How do you become that person? You know, what was it that shaped you? (laughs) You know what? I, I think it really was taking the time to explore, the willingness to explore and find the fit and to to not stress about whether, you know, um, I'm necessarily in the right role at that moment, but to know that, yeah, there are great things about the role that I'm in, um, but is this really, you know, what I could see myself doing uh, for a longer period of time? Was it really how I wanted to contribute? Did it feel good? So, you know, some people might judge me for for saying this because I know that a lot of people don't allow themselves to feel good, mm-hmm. but I actually allow the feeling to guide a lot of my decisions, you know, so in the end, it did guide me in my work. It felt like the right move because it really had this sense of fulfillment in what I was doing. Yeah, and it um, feels good to feel good, doesn't it? Well, yeah, and I I really think it's such an important part of business. And this is actually something I learned from my business mentor, that when you feel good at the work that you do in your Mm -hmm. relationships, that is actually what allows the longevity in your your work and in your relationships. If you're feeling bad, then that creates problems in, in your work and in your relationships, if it's something that's happening on a regular basis, right? So that ability to feel good about what you do is so vital to have that sense of resilience and to be able to push through, you know, any challenges and have that control over what you're doing to bring that feeling if things aren't going well in your life. So such as the dancing or, (laughs) you know, connecting with people who you enjoy connecting with, doing whatever you can find in your life that's accessible to you to to feel good for me that's the secret um to to it and i find as well that um you know just being being aware of what what your values are you know placing meaning to what is important to you for example someone whose value isn't family may not have gone back to 
um, you know, and nurtured your mum the way you did because, you know, maybe they had baggage as kids and they think, oh, no, my brother's just going to do that. You know, I think that's really probably something that's I've learned as well, you know, really just getting clear on what those are for you. And it, it's not about judgment. It's about just having that perspective for yourself, right? Some people value money and their level of success, for example, is, you know, the, the latest Lamborghini. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just what it means to you. Yeah, yeah. And I completely agree that, you know, I actually did go through that process of identifying what my values are when I was making my career change because, mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I was working in Asia, at the end of that job, I started to feel really burnt out. I was traveling to Asia nonstop every month for weeks at a time. And I loved the travel, but I did start to feel exhausted. And I couldn't really put my finger on what that was, whether it was only the travel, whether it was that it just wasn't as connected to my work anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think it was, you know, both in the end, I also felt like I was ready to focus on something else and that doing the work that I was doing wasn't as fulfilling anymore. And so I started to disengage and that feeling of disengagement was really unpleasant and you're not feeling good anymore right (laughs) yeah it it did drive me to look for something that would be more fulfilling right so I think it's important for people to feel patient with themselves when they feel that way and I think if 2020 taught anyone anything it was definitely the power of patience as well Um, Mm -hmm. you know not sort of jumping at the first thing really taking the time to look and go inward to find what it is and and how they can serve you know at the end of the day this is my personal belief we're here to serve you know we're all just walking each other home we're here to add value into somebody else's life from a different perspective of doing life and you know it's it's what you said just really leaning into and feeling good about what you do whatever that is you could be the best pastry chef and make the most amazing pie or you could be you know the most um loving caring giving international business leader coach like you are you know whatever it is that feels right for you it's so important yeah and some people have multiple things right you know they enjoy doing a a few different things in their lives and change careers several times and that's that's perfectly okay I think it's you know knowing that there doesn't have to be one way of doing things or not um getting attached to the right thing right exactly what is, what is right and what is wrong you know we're all just having an experience here and I love what you said about career change because I've done it many times like I remember in my 20s you know my friend was dating me why can't you just stay in that one job why are you switching and changing you know when are you going to settle down and get married and I'm happy and you know with all due respect they're not because they settled for that life that was comfortable they weren't willing to challenge themselves and go that deeper step and if if that's what you want that's perfectly okay too you know but um yeah I think that's like yourself I was a very curious and I'm still very curious I'll be a student for life you know yeah there's always something you can learn from somebody else whether it's a life experience or a business um skill or something that can pivot you forward if you make the decision that that's what you want to do right Yeah. And I think, you know, what you're saying about settling is very true that for me as well, I actually haven't settled until I found something that I'm really connected with in terms Mm -hmm. of my work. And same thing, you know, with my relationship, I haven't settled until now, you know, because I haven't felt that 
that's the level of connection and the, the type of relationship that I want. So now I did find that and, you know, I'm 45 years old. Oh, you don't so look 45. A lot, of, <laughs> a lot of people would have said, well, why haven't you settled down yet? Right. But you see so many people going through divorce and, um, you know, it's uh, interesting because at the age of 34, I broke up uh, with someone after a four-year relationship thinking, oh my, you know, gosh, I'm never going to meet anyone again. And that has been the biggest lie that I told myself because that, you know, definitely wasn't the end of my life. <laughs> no, and that's the thing. It's the stories you come up with when you're kind of hurting. You're not really sure. You're not open to, you know, that other door opening up for you that can also sabotage, um, you know, that, that abundance, that alignment, that whatever it is that you're meant to be doing. And I know I felt the same way, you know, for a long time after my 10-year, my four-year relationship, I just thought, oh, my God, like, it's impossible. That's never going to happen. That's not for me. You know, all the all the negative stories start flowing in. But, yeah. well, you're living proof that it is possible. <laughs> yes. And I, I think that the most important thing is for people to really believe in themselves and to just believe that anything is possible because, you know, you don't know all the realities out there. You don't know all the possibilities out there mm -hmm. uh, that are available to you until you actually look around, you, you know, you have more conversations. Um, yeah I agree I mean you know don't don't go out and do silly things but definitely explore your potential the human potential has so many doors that you can open in every area of what we do here what are we doing here you know think about that sometimes what is it that you want to do here it doesn't matter what that is as long as you're coming from a, a place of um, pure intentions with a good heart you know do whatever it is that floats your boat you know I mean some people just want to um, be a mom and that's a beautiful thing if you can if your goal is to be a mom then be a mom you know if you want to be like Elon Musk and kick him out of his spaceship then do that go after it you know he did it why can't you you know just go for it but just be you you know really it comes back to connection to be honest you know everything that we were talking about in relation to like you know people getting divorced have they really connected to themselves to find out who they truly are before, you know, going into a relationship and almost filling their voids? I know, and I say that with all due respect because I've done that in the past as well. You know, I had to take a good look in the mirror and go, hmm, actually, what is it that I'm supposed to be, you know, doing to make me feel good? Not in a selfish way, being respectfully selfish, but at the same time, you know, how may I serve? In, and at the same time, have that fulfillment of, you know, um, yeah, just feeling good about where I am. Yeah. And that's why I think, you know, as you're saying, like, it's important to know yourself as much as you can to be able to understand what it is that you actually appreciate in, in yourself, in someone else, in your life, to be able to find those things that fulfill you right uh, a lot of people don't yet have that knowledge of themselves don't really know how to go about it don't really know what potential is you know to them because it is different for everyone um, it is and, and you know define some, it. 
And sometimes, you know, often more, more often than not, you, you know, you would benefit from getting guidance in that process. Whatever area of your life is kind of stagnant or you're just not sure, you're just not happy, it just doesn't feel right. You don't have to know the reasons and all the terminology behind it. But if it's just not feeling good anymore, ask yourself the question of why it's not feeling good and what can I do to make it feel good? You know, and um, there's plenty of people about who can have that conversation with you to just open up a new doorway. You know, there's plenty of paths and there's plenty of opportunities and there's plenty of ways that you can discover yourself, even in isolation, you know. Yes, we couldn't travel and explore the world, but you can go inwards. You can go deep inside yourself and unearth who it is that you are, um, you know, to find, like, through myself, I found that I love painting again in ISO, you know, and I thought, oh, I haven't painted in a long time. That's amazing. And I enjoy it and I'm actually not bad at it. You know, again, that's why we ended up doing a mandala class together because I thought, I've never done a mandala class before. You know, that's an amazing way to connect to new people. And, you know, Malati, who was in Peru at the time, did an amazing job of um, taking us on that journey. And, it went even deeper than that. I thought I was just doing a drawing class, but mandalas can actually, you know, um, through drawings, it's an expression of your soul and the colors that you use are an expression of the feelings that are going in within you. And I found that a lot of people actually use them to understand children because children are always drawing. So, you know, isn't it crazy how we started talking about connection and just goes back to, it can relate to so many different things. <laughs> it can, yeah, definitely. Um, and certainly back to full circle, right? When we talk about mandalas. Exactly. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. For me, I've been exploring cooking again because, you know, I have to tell you that um, my mother doesn't appreciate my Asian slant on cooking that I've learned over in Australia. <laughs> um, She's not a fan. <laughs> no, and she definitely can't have spicy food. Um, and definitely during chemo, she couldn't have spicy food, right? So this was actually such a challenge for me to be able to support her in that way and to cook meals that she could eat. Oh, wow. Um, See, she became a chef as well. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been on an exploration in that realm for a while now, and it was challenging. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, it was definitely a challenge to, at this age, um, be a caregiver who doesn't have the capacity to cook meals um, in European style <laughs> and even our communication barrier sometimes because at home we would speak Polish together okay um, we both speak English but together we would tend to speak Polish and there were sometimes words I didn't understand and you know it would be frustrating for me to try and then Is translate it, it etc so we had a lot of barriers don't get me wrong I haven't been you know the perfect caregiver in any way here at all this is one of the, the most challenging jobs I've had <laughs> sometimes life is about unlearning what you've learned and relearning you know and I, I think that's just one of those experiences that happened for both of you you know you were learning how to communicate again as mother and daughter and in different languages and I know that as well because I grew up in you know, my parents are Cambodian and I grew up in Italy and we speak English and sometimes all three come out because we don't know which word to use. And, you know, it's just whatever the unconscious mind downloads at the time. I go, yep, that's the word for that, you know. <laughs> but that's awesome. Like, I love cooking. I, to be honest, I haven't done much of it myself. But in isolation, I was forced to relearn again. And I thought, oh, I can't get takeaway all the time. That's just, you know, not, <laughs> not, not going to be good for 
anything. <laughs> yes, I'm missing some good Thai takeaway, Vietnamese takeaway very much now, but I've been trying to make some Thai curries and, you know, doing what I can with the ingredients that I have. <laughs> well, Vietnamese would be amazing right now. A nice good bowl of pho in winter always goes well. <laughs> That's right. And I'll tell you, I, my coffee, you know, because here I would be suffering a lot coffee wise if I didn't have my uh, little Vietnamese coffee filter that I bought in Vietnam for 25 cents. And this has been like the best thing that I could have ever bought. It goes with me everywhere. <laughs> and that has been making my coffee for me this, this whole time that I've been back in Canada because before that I was using my Italian coffee maker at home or, you know, buying takeout coffee in Australia, which is always, almost always amazing. Um, but here it's a little bit harder to find good coffee. Um, and yeah, that's uh, so interesting because even when I was in Hawaii, they said that was the best coffee in the world, you know, Kona coffee. And I thought, mm, good. But, <laughs> you know, I've had Italian coffee too. <laughs> Or Brazilian coffee or, you know, like it's just so many varieties of coffee as well. That's another podcast. <laughs> that is, yes. Yeah, but, you know, I think what it comes down to is simple p- pleasures, right? If you can find pleasure in a cup of coffee, why not? If you can find pleasure in a meal, why not? Uh, you know, not to say you you want to get into like emotional eating, <laughs> etc. But it's finding these pleasures that are not so difficult to create and actually... Um, allowing yourself to to really appreciate you know and that's that. the thing I'm sure you explored as well during cooking like you don't have to spend hours and hours and hours over the stove to make something that's nutritious for you um, that can give you that momentary you know that melting moment without without it actually being a melting moment because they're not that great for you even though they taste amazing with the coffee <laughs> you know yeah and of finding the simplicity in the small things in life definitely definitely something you've experienced especially glancing up from that book are we ever going to get you back in australia we've lost you to canada now <laughs> oh for sure when the when the moment is right yes uh, because uh, yeah he loves to surf i've got a surfboard right in front of me right here that needs to be used soon <laughs> so Uh, I can't can't wait to have you back and I actually can't wait to meet you in person because you know we've connected a few times now um, over the internet and you know grateful that we can do that I've met some of the most amazing people on the planet without being next to them on the planet because of you know the availability of the the modern world but I can can speak I can't wait gonna say when Um, we can we will definitely be uh, coming over and coming to Melbourne Uh, I have a friend that lives on the Great Ocean Road um, as well so we'll be coming to spend some time down there Um, beautiful and or uh, we can meet up in you or we can meet up in Peru or Southeast Asia and go hiking somewhere and always up for an adventure. And I know that you definitely are. (laughs) Following your journey, I think, um, you know, the queen of people, um, the queen of exploring (laughs) (laughs) cuisines and cultures and connections (laughs) is definitely someone I want to hang out with. Okay, so I got one last question for you, which is um, if you've got, one message to give to the world and today for some reason was your last day what would that be oh my goodness if it was my last day today well you've given me a very thought-provoking question here (laughs) um 
I think I think it really is don't don't be afraid to ask questions because really in the end if you don't have an answer to something that's completely okay but asking questions yourself asking others questions is usually what allows you to at least take a step forward and not be stuck in any situation that you're in yeah I love that questions are the answers right the questions are in the in the question I don't know if I've modeled that up, but <laughs> <laughs> the questions are in the question. <laughs> I think it might be time to wrap up for today. <laughs> We've been chatting for a while. Yeah, no, um, I, the, the answers are often in the questions that we ask. And this is why, you know, coaching is so powerful to me as well to be able to start to explore um, what is possible. We have to ask some questions. And everybody has a, um, you know, something new to unlock within within themselves. And Kaja, it's been an absolute pleasure um, chatting to you. Again, we whenever we catch up, we talk for hours. But <laughs> let's um let's wrap this up for now. And please come back again. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are sort of listening and want to connect with you. So if they want to do that, how can they reach you? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn, uh, and I'm also on Facebook. I'm happy to connect either way. And uh, also my email is uh, K-A-S-I-A-M-I-N-D-Q-U-E-S-T at gmail.com. I'd be happy to, to connect and have a chat. Thank you for having me, Margaret. It's been a pleasure. You're very welcome. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Emerge From Your Box podcast. Until the next episode, um, stay safe and we'll speak to each other there.